people think sometimes that God is harder to please than he is. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him. You've got to come to him with something. You have to come to him believing. But when you come to him believing, then he does the rest. He, he is definitely in charge of our faith. Hebrews 12 and verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Man, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. So he is the one who um, in, began with us. He, he chose us. We didn't choose him. We said yes to his choosing. Amen. We merely agreed with what he had decided already from the foundation of the earth. And, and when you think about the people that die and go to hell, you'll realize what a privilege it is to be chosen by God and to know you're chosen and to have a chance to serve God in this life. It, it is a great privilege. There's nothing wrong with us. There's nothing uh, we need to change about ourselves, no matter how much the world criticizes us. That's the devil's job to try and discourage the believer. You know, he's just mad you got away from him. Amen. He's angry that you got away from him. And he wants to try and hinder your walk or get you back if he can. And so uh, he, it is no surprise <clears throat> that Christians are persecuted. And the way that we live is challenged uh, by people who think we don't have to do all this, you know, uh, to serve God. There are people who, who try not to get too involved in God once they get saved because they don't want to look like, uh, you know, too wound up or too fanatical or too carried away. Uh, you know, don't let that be you. Don't, don't let yourself get to where you want to put the stops on God because you don't think it fits in somewhere or you don't think it looks uh, the way you want it to look. Always humble yourself. Uh, to the hand of God and he will exalt you in due season you know there's a amen there's a season for everybody to be exalted you know uh, but not within yourself you know God will exalt you uh, when it's time and it is humbling still when God exalts you if he gives you a name that people recognize or or a ministry that that blesses people a recognition uh, it's still a humbling experience because he's sharing what he is with you you know that's not you that's doing the works you know that's the spirit of god moving through you and he is saw fit to to share that with you so always remember that stay humble to god uh, you know don't don't consider yourself uh, more than what you ought to think but think you know sober about yourself you know remember those times when you didn't understand god very well and you made a lot of mistakes you made more mistakes than you did things right you know and remember those times and appreciate that he's brought you along he didn't quit on you amen he didn't quit he just kept kept on so he he always goes the extra mile with us amen he is responsible for our faith he is responsible to take care of our faith while we're down here on earth he is the custodian of our faith. Once we put our faith and our trust in him, then he has custody of our faith. So he is the author of our faith, which means that he sat one down, down one day and thought about you and decided what you would be, what you would do, what you would look like. Amen. He began all of that himself and he saw you in him being complete in him, not lacking anything. He saw you with your tears dried. Amen. 
uh, for those times when you experienced sorrow in your life. He saw you, uh, you know, healed and made whole and all of those things. He saw you possessing things that were necessary for life, you know. So he has your, your plan wrapped up in himself. See, the, the successful plan for our lives is wrapped up in him. It's not apart from God. Apart from him, you're nothing. You can do nothing. It's, it's just impossible to have any degree of success. <clears throat> but, you know, you still find people who try anyway, so you have to say things like this because we get carried away sometimes. And we want to take control and take charge of things. But God, amen, he pulls us back and he said, hey, wait a minute. I'm the one who's working this out for you. I'm the one who's completing this for you. Amen. You partner with me and you won't go wrong. Amen. So we have to remember that. Jesus is after us to do us good. All the time. He's after us for our good. He pursues us for our good. He's all the time wanting to do good for us. He sees us complete in him. So as the author and the completer of our faith, he is the one who is responsible to make uh, um, a way for us to accomplish what we need to accomplish in life. He sets the goals for us. He sets everything if we'll let him. Uh, There's no reason to sweat it, be fearful, be worried. He died to take all of that away from you. And so if we will release our cares to him, And pick up his spirit and walk in faith in the things that he's called us to do in this life. We will have the kind of life that he's ordained for us to have. Jesus says he is the Alpha and Omega in Revelations 22.13. He's the beginning of the end. Beginning and the end of all things. So in the beginning was God. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God. So Jesus and God are one. And so he began everything that goes on in the universe, and it is summed up in him. So whenever he dies, it will never die, then the world will end. You understand what I'm saying? So he's, he's there forever throughout eternity. He does what we need from A to Z. There's nothing left out that he doesn't accomplish for us through his spirit living in us. When God placed the man and the woman in the garden, he gave them all things that pertain to life and godliness. Didn't he say that? He said, look, I've given you this tree, that tree. All things here are for you. And so God placed man in the earth with provision and plenty. And that's what Jesus died to bring us back to, provision and plenty. So his, his, he being the author and finisher of our faith, he goes the extra mile to bring us provision and plenty and everything that we need, not just to make it in life, but to prosper and do well and to live in a, a, a good environment in our lives where our spirits can be nurtured, our souls can be healed. Uh, from any kind of damage, from any kind of misfortune, he wants to put us in a place of full provision. And he is the one who initiates it. He opens doors for us to, to accomplish what needs to be done. And he wants to finish our faith. He doesn't want us to run ahead of him. And he doesn't want us to lag behind. He wants us to walk in step with him. 
God likes our companionship. I think sometimes we forget that, you know, uh, for those days when you don't, you feel, you know, not so you or some kind of way. This is what people say in these days, you know, I feel. I don't even know what that means. I said, well, it don't seem right to me if they're complaining about it. But, uh, you know, for those days, he really wants your companionship. He loves to have fellowship with us. He wants us to enjoy him, and he wants to enjoy us. And that can only be done if we will spend time with him, go to him, and walk in his presence, walk in the spirit. That just means you're walking a knowledge of God. You walk in a... Uh, a peaceful knowledge of God. You're not trying to figure out if he's pleased with you and what he thinks about what you did the last time. Amen. You know for yourself it w- if it was right or wrong. So, you know, just man up, woman up, fess up, and, and repent. You know, and get the slate wiped clean and you can walk in harmony with God again. So he put them in the garden. He gave them all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Things that pertain to life are one thing, but godliness is something else. Godliness will get you life. So if you put the kingdom first and his righteousness, you'll have everything else. So many times we put things first or we put the the things that pertain to life first because we're so afraid we're not going to have anything. The devil likes to put fear in us that... Uh, you know, if you have a good job, you're afraid it won't last. Uh, if it if it's lasting, you wonder how long it's going to last. You know, is it going to end? If oh, if I live to retire, am I going to have enough to retire on? So he's always got something out there for you to be concerned about. But God wants us not to be concerned about anything. He said, "Be anxious for nada." That means nothing. Amen. Don't don't give it one thought. Amen. And that's a real challenge because when when you sometimes when you are, you know, the carnal mind is always toward lack anyway. Everybody has uh, the the natural tendency to think not enough, to think lack, to think when is it going to run out? Uh, how long is it going to last? You know, and, and that kind of thing. And so when we know that our souls are built that way. We know that we need something to happen in our souls to challenge that because God says that's not the way he wants us to live. And so we, we have to live in, in harmony with God so that he can help us in our faith to live totally by faith. To live according to his word and expecting his word to come to pass, expecting mountains to be removed, expecting obstacles to to fall down and and flee and, and get out of the way. We have to live a life expecting good and not evil. And so if we will do that, we can find that Jesus has an easy time. Uh, helping us with our faith it, it makes it easy for him to locate us locate our faith to be able to strengthen it when it needs to be strengthened and help us to get the things that he's ordained he wouldn't promise things to us if he didn't want us to have them you know that thought that comes to you doubting is the devil because why would god dangle a carrot in front of your nose and, and just keep dangling and never intend for you to get it it's not god he, and he also provides the means and the way for you to receive what he has for you as the author and the finisher. Can we please let him finish something? 
you know, we'll get a prayer answered and get excited and run off with it and leave God behind. You'll need him the next time the devil jumps up and starts snatching stuff from you. Uh, the minute you get around the corner, ump jump the devil. Uh, it's absolutely right. Uh, then you, there you are naked, no, nothing to help you, and wondering again. And if you would just learn how to stay in step with God, don't be anxious for anything. You know, anxiety will, will kill you because it, it just deteriorates everything in your life. And so Jesus is there as the Alpha and Omega, beginning and end of all things. He's in the middle too. Everywhere you need him to be, he is there for you. So he put everything at Adam and Eve's disposal. They had choices and decisions to make in running the earth. And they decided one day not to obey God. Amen. They, they decided that. So, so, but they were never expected to run their lives and the garden without God's guidance. God never expects you to live by your own you know, philosophy, your own ideas, your own wits or whatever it is, no matter how witty and how smart and how beautiful you are, you still need God's help. And so every mortal human being needs God's help. Disobedience did not end God's plan, but it merely interrupted it. You need to learn that about your disobedience, too. It won't end God's plan for your life. It may interrupt it for a season, but as soon as you come to your, yourself and, and repent, get back where you're supposed to be, okay, God will teach you how to obey him. You, you learn things uh, when you yoke up with Jesus. You learn how to obey the Father. Disobedience to God made the way for a better covenant with man. You know, God looked at some things and said, well, you know what? The devil's trying to outdo me here with the man and the woman, so I'm going to up the ante. I'm going to go one better. I'm going to make a better covenant. I'm going to teach them from A to Z how to obey me. Amen. I'm going to share my, my mysteries and my thoughts and my plans with the man now because I'm going to put my son's spirit on the inside of him. I'll give him an inheritance the devil can't steal. So the devil cannot steal this inheritance because it's sealed in blood. Amen. So then Jesus becomes the protector of your faith because the covenant is sealed in his blood. Amen. Blood means life. He'll give his life if he disappoints you and not fulfills anything he's promised you that you're believing in. Amen. And he will help your faith in believing these things as well. So he's not going to leave you high and dry. He's, he knows where you're at. He knows when we're disappointed. He knows when we're fearful. He knows when we're thinking about things in a negative way. He knows when we're upset and angry. He knows all of these things. But he still has made a way for your faith to be produce what he wants it to produce and for your life to be what he wants it to be he wants you to have a better life than you want to have we need to stop looking at god funny every time something wrong happens you know like he's changed his mind his mind's always been made up about the things he's going to do in the earth It'll blow your mind if you ever was to sit down and just listen to him for a little bit and hear and understand what he has planned for you. Huh? 
You know, he, he'll look at you and say, Sheree, I've got something. I've got, you think you like fine things, but you ain't seen nothing yet. I've got things in my closet in heaven for you that'll blow your mind. i got colors you haven't even thought of and dreamed of, and I want to put them on you, adorn you with them. Amen? So that everybody in the world can see how much I value you. That's what God wants to do. We are the glory of God. We are the outshining of God. Amen? His bride. The Bible says that the woman is the glory of the man. Amen. Amen. When, when, you know, when my husband would take me places and he would look me up and down and you had, it was like, you know how them, uh, uh, x-ray vision goggles, Superman types. Take an inventory, you know, if he had to take me somewhere and it, it, everything had to line up, you know, it would just, you know, they go, ooh, I like that, I like that. And you make a note of the things they like. You understand? It's the same thing with God. When you get his approval on something and you know he likes something you do, you keep doing that. You know, some people so hateful, they find out you like something and they start withholding it. That's just twisted and mean. That's just crazy. Huh? That's why people are afraid of each other. Men and women are scared to get married to each other anymore because they're scared to open their hearts to you, you know, to let you know things that would that they would like or they would appreciate because they don't know what you're going to do with that information. Well, write it down. And if that was news to you, I got some more news for you coming too. Hmm. Women sit up and ask me and all day, baby, what you what you think about this? Well, that, that's the reason they don't tell you nothing. Huh? They don't know what you're going to do with the information. People just don't trust one another. People don't trust themselves. Huh? That's why they always on some self-help line somewhere. On Facebook asking for prayer. You know, I, I, I had prayer before I got on Facebook. You understand what I'm saying? It's... I don't need to go on there to beg for prayer. I know where to. I'm not going there. So anyway. <laughs> but we need to understand that, that, that disobedience to God's covenant does not cancel it. You don't, you, get, you don't get time out with God. You don't get the penalties been paid. If you will accept the payment... You understand what I'm saying? Just confess your sins and accept the payment and get on in life. You know, people, it's so simple. You know, the gospel is so simple. People have been living saved since Jesus walked the earth. And we would want to complicate everything, you know, with more tapes, more doctrine, more this, more that. Just live the simple life. Just talk to him. Just you and him. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He wants to go the extra mile for you. So anyway, he, God wants to cancel out the consequences of your disobedience to give you mercy in this life so that you can go on and attain to what God has ordained for you. In choosing Christ, we enter into a better covenant based on better promises. Why? Because there's no curse on it. The promises are better because they're not interrupted by the curse. 
you ever seen them things in the bible say you know for 10 years you won't be able to go into the sanctuary for 10 generations and 15 generations we don't have that if you confess immediately he cleanses you from all unrighteousness you get up and keep going amen samson tried to work that he didn't even have a new covenant he knew once he sinned if he got right with god got up and got his strength again it was all he said oh i must be forgiven my strength is back you understand what i'm saying so in choosing christ we enter into a better covenant based on better promises one of which is that he finishes our faith once it begins with him now what does that mean he has covenanted with us to take our faith to its utmost conclusion that little bit of whatever it is you you and i have you know sometimes we pray i hope that was i hope i hope he heard me i hope that was in faith you know you do the best you can because you don't have a faith meter to tell you how much it is you just have to wait on the results to know you know what i'm saying you keep holding on to it as best you know how and that's cool with him because all he wants us to do is our best be sincere about serving god serve him because you love him and you want to please him so he'll take it to his utmost conclusion all the way to the end of the line our faith is designed to secure everything we need for life and godliness so there's no such thing as not enough faith for because if that's true jesus has some work to do to help you to finish it you got me he's in charge of you you just have to keep trusting him don't get stupid and start talking all kind of crazy i don't think he want me to have him maybe i didn't hear from god and whining and you don't even believe that yourself huh most of that's just something to say kind of like to sound like you don't know what to do he knows you don't know what to do that's why he lives in you tell you what to do he begins and finishes our faith in the realm of healing we must have godliness to approach the throne our faith must be released and set free from doubt sin false doctrine all kinds of killers in order that we be healed so the enemy will will plant seeds of doubt in our minds hoping our hearts will will faint and give up you know you don't want it anymore you walk away from it that kind of thing and so jesus is there to keep your faith alive to keep it going to keep it strong to keep you motivated to keep you because you you haven't seen the end of your faith yet you know we we go by wants likes dislikes moods feelings in the things of life you know there was a there was a point where I was so disappointed in my marriage, I didn't want my husband anymore. But I wanted my marriage. Anybody's been married a little bit now, see all them, look at them big eyes staring at me. I got their full attention now. <gasps> Pass me the popcorn, Crystal. I guess you want a box of popcorn so you can really enjoy this? Let your eyes just shoot out your head. See, I'm talking where the rubber meets the road. Huh? i want to be married but i don't want to be married to him huh 
So if Jesus is the author and the finisher of my faith, he's going to have to find me on that road and do something to help me or I won't be married. Huh? Sometimes the only thing you can do is cry out to him. Uh-huh. And tell him, God, I know I'm in a bad place, but this is this these are the facts. Huh? These are the details of my life. So, you know, come get me, help me, because I remember when I was loving him and praying and all that kind of stuff, how I felt I want to get back there again. That's what true, you know, that's what real repentance is. I don't know what these people out here doing, they call repentance. But if, if at the end of the day you don't invite the promise back into your heart, you're in sin still. Oh, grow up. The devil will do anything he can to separate you from your spouse. Huh? He'll work on you. <laughs> See, people get in these predicaments and they think there's no way out. So they try to hide how they really feel. You understand what I'm saying? Or play along, pretend, come in church with a smile. And, you know, when you get home, it's wives with knives. <laughs> or snapped. Huh? Huh? It's the truth. <laughs> it is. Huh? Quit pretending. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Quit pretending. He knows you out of gas, you out of steam, you out of faith, you out of love, you out of a lot of things that you're supposed to have in order to stay happy with that rascal. And little as is known, he probably feels the same about you. Yeah, you you who do everything right, you you know, I went through this. I was saved and he was wasn't that meant I was right all the time. Huh? Till I found myself thinking about murder twenty four seven. Murder book. Huh? <laughs> then I realized how unsaved I was in some places. <laughs> I keep praying you single people. You'll you'll survive, you'll make it. <laughs> In the realm of healing, we must have godliness to approach the throne. The Bible's very clear. You can't go with him expecting him to do something for you and you don't forgive. You've got to do that. You've got to live a life. We have to snip all them cords. Anger, animosity, pride. I'm better than they are. They don't know who I am. They treat me wrong. Uh, you got to snip yourself away from all of that and cut them cords so that the devil has nothing to dangle and, and hang you up in. Amen. That's in every prayer that Jesus ever ever thought Jesus ever had. Because he knew that if you don't have peace with the Father, you don't get anything. And so if we will walk closely with the Lord like that, you know, there are people that walk close to God and we think they're they're the worst people in the world. Because we don't understand godliness, especially when it's on somebody else. Wake up. 
ไปกาบไปกาบไปกาบ See, we're not the judge. We look at the outer. God looks at the heart, doesn't He? <laughs> Your best bet is to love everybody, don't mess with nobody, and honor everybody, respect everybody. Just live like that, okay? <laughs> Our faith must be released. Set free from doubt, sin, false doctrine, all kinds of killers of our faith in order that we be healed. So Jesus has a work many times when it takes a while for people's healing to manifest. It's because he is working to finish your faith and set it free from all of that stuff that's hindering it from bringing into your life the things you need. Hmm? And we got to let him. And we can't sit up and get defensive about. Well, I got faith. I'm not in doubt. I'm just shut up and let him finish your faith. Huh? This is his job to do. It's not up to you to defend your faith. It ain't yours anyway. Huh? And he's your lawyer. You need a lawyer, honey. If you if you standing up there and you got stuff still on the table you haven't received yet, you need to. You need somebody to advocate for. You need some help. And so there, he is there to finish our faith. He has a vision for what our faith will look like completed, and he wants it done. We can't decide what we need to do to accomplish what we need. That's called religion. That's called legalism. That's called pride. It's called vanity. You can't decide what you need to do. Jesus probably was so shocked when the Holy Spirit told him when that boy was was uh, with the man that was blind, and he told him to spit on the dirt down there and make a mud pie and stick it on his eyes. He was probably very shocked, but then he was also very shocked when it worked. You got me? So you can't decide. And Jesus was dependent upon the Father and the Holy Spirit when he walked the earth, huh? Man, from where he lived to where he came, talk about. Low rent district. This was the ghetto compared to heaven. I mean, the best places on earth was ghetto compared to heaven. So he had to walk close to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. And he said, "I do only what the Father tells me to do." And his father said, "Make a mud pie and spit on his eyes." Huh? If you think about it, it, it makes sense because what are we we created from? dust amen and the breath of life mixes with dust amen and we become alive again so that's not too far-fetched amen so in mark chapter 7 i want you to turn there i'm going to show you how he completes one person's faith and keep this in mind when you have things needs that you have and expect him to come to your rescue You know, many times we treat God like he doesn't know what's going on and we're trying to convince him we know what we're doing. Stop that. Huh? We all do it. You know, you get into a predicament instead of talking to God about it, we try to hide it from him, pretend like we, well, I'm going to do this because I know I didn't do this enough and I'm going to do this because I know I didn't do this enough. You're trying to catch up on your no-nos. You can't do that. You just throw yourself on the mercy of the court, man, and say, God, you know what? I done messed up again. I got all carried away. 
And let's keep it, keep it rolling here because I need this stuff in my life. I, I need you to come through for me. So in Mark chapter 7 and verse 24, it says, And from thence he arose and went to the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he couldn't be hid. When the anointing's on you, they will come. When the anointing's on you, they will find you. Huh? You cannot be hid. It it never ceases to amaze me sometimes how, you know, I'll get into situations like if I see somebody in a, a supermarket, that's kind of common, you know, in the supermarkets, you can pray for people and stuff. How I come in contact with that one person that's got pain that they can't get rid of or something like that. How does that happen? Huh? Well, the anointing draws people. Huh? It draws people. When I when I go into the supermarket, I'll go in with Christ. Huh? Yeah, I remember when, when I first started, we start first started relaying over to Myers and, and there was a, a guy that the cashier at the the uh at my line and he was putting stuff in, in bags and he kept staring at me. And I was <laughs> I'm not gonna say what I thought. <laughs> No, I didn't. Me who? And so he says, I watch your program. And then I thought, oh, God. It's like, you forget. You see what I'm saying? You forget. And and so God sobered me up, you know, and said, you watch it when you come in. You watch it. You understand what I'm saying? Don't come in here in no bad mood and. You know, a good thing I come in weekends. At least I do comb my hair on the weekends. But you know what I'm saying. You can be looking pretty rough sometimes. And they won't recognize you. <laughs> they have to look real hard to know who you are. You know what I'm saying? But he, he taught me how to not let myself drop down, spiritually speaking. You know, as it drop down to a level where you just in the flesh or just tie one on or don't care about people or too busy and too much of a hurry anything like that uh in because if if you if you're in the flesh and you're rushing through everything god's spirit can't totally manifest in your life the way he wants to write that down because some of y'all move around too fast and i can tell you do because that was news to you but you he he abides in peaceful atmospheres Sometimes you ever have some people around you, you can just feel them when they come in because they have a spirit of like confusion or something like or hyped up. Stop doing that. Let yourself be peaceful in God. And I don't say move slow as molasses all the time, but you've got to understand that you are a spirit and you just live in this body. Now, your mind will tell you to do all kinds of things. That maybe God wants you to do and maybe he doesn't. But learn how to pull yourself back into a place of understanding that God is with you. You understand? Let, let him be with you. And so when, when God's with you and you're his servant, you can't be too busy for the thing that he brought you to that place for that day. Sometimes everything that you've studied all your life in God is leading up to one event 
where God has you release that prayer, release that knowledge, release that understanding, or lay hands on somebody. It's everything you've learned about God is leading up to this one time to help somebody. You understand me? I mean, that's the we are those people. You understand that? That's who we are. We're not uh, rush around people. We're not uh, um, administrators and and uh, workers and nurses and all that kind of stuff. We're that's secondary. That's just you'll get over because you know y'all getting over. Most of y'all trying to anyway. We try to do less work for more money if we can. That's the way you, you are in a job. Because if you're not going to give your all to that, what are you going to give your all to? You're going to give it to the things of God. That's what you're created for. I'm not saying don't, don't do your job right, but you know how we do. <laughs> I know how I did. But, uh, you know, you do a good job, but, but that's not your source of it. Don't kill yourself there. You know, you give them eight hours, you give them a full day, you give them, get that job done. If you can get it done in less time, get it done in less time and chill out and meditate in God or something. But, you know, let's be reasonable here. That's not why you're here. It's part of why you're here. But the real difference that we as believers will make is eternal things, not temporal things. We make the difference in eternal things. So Jesus, this woman comes in and, and, and you know, he, he couldn't be hid. The anointing is never to be hid under a rock. The Bible says that we're the light of the world. And the light is not made to be hid under a bushel. You don't do that with a light. You let the light shine. And he says, for a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. Now, this woman wasn't sure what she was going to do. Or how she was going to proceed. But she knew Jesus healed people. And she knew that he was in that place. And this was her opportunity to get what she needed. And that's really all you need to get from God. I mean, that's all the average person coming into a healing service knows. That God is my last resort. You know, I tried everything and they say there's no help for me. But something inside of me tells me just try this last thing one more time. You understand what I'm saying? There was a a gentleman that came to uh, the church we were in. We first started this ministry. He was he had uh, had written out his obituary earlier that week. And he said, you know, he said, I've always meant to visit this church. And he said, I kept putting it off and putting it off. But he had already written his obituary. He had resigned himself that he said, the doctors tell me I'm not going to live any longer. But then I thought to myself, maybe I ought to try this place one time. And you know, God began to heal him. Had he stayed with what God, and this is the thing, you, when he's the author and the finisher of your faith, when he tells you to do something, keep doing it. And don't quit doing it because you think you, you got a better idea. But he lived at least a year after, long after they told him he was going to die. And God had told me to tell him if he would stay in the atmosphere where the anointing was, he would heal him. He started putting, he had taken medication that had destroyed his nerve endings. He was, his fingers were numb. He said on Sunday, he said, oh, I get my mother to, to put my shirt on because I can't feel the buttons. And so I just, you know, something in you just goes, oh, God, please. 
can't feel buttons. He needs to be able to put his whole shirt on. So I got to touch his fingers, and we did just like this. Come on, Noah. You remember. Yep, just like that. And I heard some noise in his fingers. And I said, be healed in Jesus' name. And the feeling came back in his fingers. He started to get whole again. You understand what I'm saying? God will do. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Whatever you, And as long as he stays, remember when it got to be cold weather, he said, I'm scared I'm going to catch a cold. He starts staying at home. And from that, he went downhill. But see, if you obey the instruction of God from the mouth of his servants, you'll, you'll be able to do something in life, folks. That's Jesus finishing his faith for him. He, God intended for him to live. And he was called to preach. He had just done his first trial sermon and the devil tells him you only got two weeks to live. It's not right. It's not God. But God. So this woman was a Greek. She didn't know anything about Hebrew culture, ways, or their religion. But she just knew Jesus was going to heal her or heal somebody. Or he had healed people. And he says in, <clears throat> she besought him. That he would cast the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children first be filled, for it's not meat or it's not the right thing to do, to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she answered and said unto, yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. He said unto her, for this saying, go your way, the devil is gone out of your daughter. She was come to her house. She found the devil gone and the daughter laid on the bed. And so here, Jesus, she starts out with a level of faith. She begins, the Bible says, one one passage, it says that she fell at his feet and worshipped him. Now, that can be sincere. It can be put on. It can be a number of things. But Jesus knows the heart. So it must have been a sincere act on her part. She was pouring out everything that was in her before him. Because he was the only one that she knew that could help her. That's a good place to be, folks. When you have exhausted all of your your other avenues, your doctors, your pills, your, you know, what we call favor with this person and favor with that person, that stuff dries up too. And so when everything's exhausted, then what do you do? You have to throw yourself at his mercy and ask God, God, can you please help me? I don't know. I've hit a wall here. I don't know where to go from here. And be honest before God. This is no time to put on your fake faith confession that you confess in front of the saints. Huh? This is the time for the mascara to run. This is the time for, you know, the, the tight shoes to come off. This is, you know, understand what I'm saying. This is time to, to flat out and, and put everything before God. And so here this woman is. She does the best she can with what faith she has. So she's approaching him, not necessarily with complete faith to get the job done. Because if that had been true... The minute she said we wouldn't have verse 20, 28, if that were true. If her faith were complete, you wouldn't have verses 28 and 29. Those would be skipped and verse 30 would pop up. But Jesus sees her faith is not complete. It's not to the quality it needs to be for her daughter to receive her healing. Now. 
can God cheat for you? He doesn't have to. So this is where self-pity and doubt and all that stuff. See, he wants to get that out of us because that's not of him. And it's only going to continue to hinder our faith if he allows these harmful spirits to remain on us and do something for us anyway. Uh You know, like your kids, they wear you out. You keep telling them the right way to do something and the right way to do it. And they keep doing it wrong. You say, oh, well, I don't know. Maybe they get it one day. (laughs) God doesn't do us like that. Why? Because Jesus has much more faith in us than we have in ourselves. He knows we can do it and he can show us the way. And he is the strength behind your faith. He's the wisdom behind your faith. He is always there to undergird us, always there to help us with the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter. He is our standby, the one who stands by us when we weaken. He bolsters us up again with strength. God doesn't give you a pass because you feel sorry for yourself. He doesn't give you a pass because you're weak. He strengthens you. Let the weak say, I am strong. He builds you up. He makes you qualify. That's why we admire people who are, are great at what they do so much. We think, how in the world do they, you know, people look at LeBron James and think, wow, how does anybody play like that continually over and over and over again? You know, just the, the stamina of it to say nothing of the skill. If you just ran back and forth that many times, you'd be out of your head, laying up somewhere with ice packs everywhere. But he has skills on top of that. How do you put all that together? Well, God will help us. That's the way God looks at us. As prime athletes, he wants to put together your faith the way it's supposed to be put together so it'll work for you. So you won't be limping and, and whining and begging all the time and afraid of everything and, and making excuses for your failure all the time. He doesn't like us to live like that. He called us to live in, as more than conquerors, victorious people, powerful people on the earth. He doesn't put up with this wimpy, whiny stuff. He doesn't care who hurts your feelings. You've got to forgive them anyway. If you're going to be right with him. So she approaches him more as a beggar. She's doing the best she can. And this is why Jesus doesn't give her what she wants the first time she approaches him. Because there's too much of I'm not I'm not worthy mixed up in what she's doing. Her problem is. In the back of her mind, she's hoping he doesn't realize who she is and what she thinks. And he's hoping she, he's not like the rest of the Jewish people that she's run into. Because that was common for people to refer, for Jews to refer to outsiders as dogs. You were, you were either a Jew or you were a dog. And so her being a Greek, she wasn't from the nation of Israel. And so she has this fence around her, this barrier that's keeping her faith locked in. And so she's coming to Jesus, not in the full assurance of faith, like some of the people that came to him came. He, she's coming to him with some faith, but she's got some problems worked in there, too. And Jesus, because he is going to complete her faith, has to get her past her problems. 
He is not trying to discourage her from asking for her daughter to be healed. He never does that to anybody. You come to him in any kind of faith and he will take what little bit you have and begin to work with that and help that and strengthen that and bring that up to the place where it will hold the promise in your life. You understand he's not holding back because I don't know if I like her today. That ain't like that. This this. I wish we would quit feeling so sorry for ourselves for nothing. We've got nothing to feel bad about. We've got nothing to feel sorry for ourselves. We've got nothing. There's nothing lacking in us. we just got to stay with God long enough to put it together right so it will produce for us. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Man, but what, what more do you want? But see, the humble person will stay with it until he helps you put it together the way it's supposed to be put it together so it'll it'll work in your life. Forget about how you look to people. Forget about what you think other people think about you and what kind of faith other people. Forget other people. Other people will send you to hell if you keep looking at them. My goodness. This is between you and him. He's your friend. He's not out to trap you and embarrass you and make you look stupid or anything like that. He's to help us. He is our helper. And we need it. Huh? So he talks to this woman. He, When she comes up to him, he knows what's in her heart. Thank God for the gifts of the Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. See, when you, when you learn how to work with God, work with the Spirit of God, you'll work not on the outer, but underneath in people. Where God dwells. Where God can show you who that person is really on the inside. Not the outside. You, you look past that. That's why any prophet that God called, he said, don't look at their faces. You know why? Because you, you think you can read expressions on people. You think you can read people. It's, you know, little witches and warlocks do that. That's how they make their money. They read expressions. They, you know, the devil knows who he is. He knows what that face means. And so all they want to do is get, get some agreement out of you. They'll read an expression on your faith and call it out. and Oh, yes, 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 yes. That's all they want. After that, it's... But the Holy Spirit works through the gifts of the Spirit. And they operate to profit people. They operate to help people. They operate to bring people to a place of faith where they can move in and and receive what God has for them. And all Jesus is doing here is moving barriers out of the way of her faith so her faith can be released so she can get her daughter healed. That's all he's doing. When you look at this, he calls this woman a dog. Why does he do that? He's calling out that, that, that barrier on the inside of her that has kept her from receiving anything for her daughter. 
that I'm not worthy because these people look at me like I'm I'm nothing. You ever been in a church where people just there's a spirit there that makes you feel uncomfortable like you're not welcome. We've all had that. Well, that's what she walked into every time she was around Jewish people. That I thank God that I'm a son of Abraham, you know, that kind of that kind of nonsense stuff. And it's loose in the church. It's always in the church. It's never it's never absent from the church. Because people who run churches don't have sense enough to keep it out. They allow it. Allow all kinds of stuff. And so here this woman feels she's coming with, she's got a legitimate request. Her daughter is a human being that God created in God's image and she's not where she needs to be. You got me? Anybody who can go take their, take their uh, broken things back to a manufacturer and human being can, can too. We can take our broken things and give them to God to be fixed. And that's all, that's all that's, that's the one thing that she's got in her head that's right. That's come from God. That's her connection to get in there and get something for her daughter. And so Jesus then tells her this. Let me see. Jesus. Okay. So she she thinks she can can kind of fool Jesus with the worship. But she's coming to him with the spirit of the beggar. Not as one with total faith and confidence. And he knows the difference. Jesus knows the difference in whether your faith is where, where it's supposed to be or not. The difference is begging is wavering. Begging will not hold on to anything. That begging spirit has to be dealt with. See, if you think only the Jews are entitled to something and you're an outsider, you'll never get it. You'll never get it. Jesus has got to move that thing out of the way so your faith can let you know you're entitled to it or you can't have it. You understand what I'm saying? And God wants to give it to you, however you want to phrase it. It says faith sometimes must plead one's case as in, in the sense of Hezekiah. Now, there's a difference between a covenant person pleading their case before God and asking for mercy in God. See, our problem is we've been faith taught to the point of pride. Hmm? We've been faith taught out of relationship. We're almost like little robots going around confessing the right thing, saying the right thing, and hoping God hears us. And if we confess it long enough, loud enough, often enough, huh? it's not the number of times you confess something that's going to get God to move. Now, you may need to confess it a number of times to help you stay in faith. But you ain't doing that for him. You're doing that for you. You understand what I'm saying? What God responds to is worship. I tell people all the time, keep thanking God for that because that's worship. That's not robotic. If you stay faithful, if you stay in the spirit of worship and the spirit of praise and thanksgiving... Then God, you're obeying the first commandment. That's the most important commandment. You keep yourself in the love of God. You keep yourself in the presence of God. You keep yourself in the favor of God. 
When you would doubt and say, I don't believe it's going to happen, say, God, I thank you that it's going to happen. I'm feeling wavery right now, but I'm going to cut that off. And I I make a choice to thank you for it before I see it instead of pretending like I'm, I'm giving up. I don't want to give up. Many times we try to manipulate people with our give up attitude. You ever have people that just want attention anyway? Man, you just got a decent job, got your bills paid, you got your mouth is long still. Huh? They like that stuff. Some people, they can't help themselves. God help them. Huh? It's got to have a long face anyway. Oh, I just can't look happy. They'll think I got paid or something. I don't know. People crazy. How much time do I have? I can't mess around here too long. Praise God. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. It just, gosh, can't you, you know, your skin won't crack if you smile. Huh? I'm telling you, it won't. <laughs> Faith sometimes must, must plead one's case, as with Hezekiah. Turned his face to the wall. He said, God, remember the times I did this and I did that? Who's going to do that when I'm gone? Try it sometimes. But begging is faithless and totally emotional. This was all she had was emotion. So why does she approach him that way? Does she have faith? Yes, she does. But it has all this and other junk piled on top of it, and it is not visible to Jesus. So she's got a lot of doubt piled up, and she's hoping he doesn't notice it. Just like we do. We hope we're going to get it anyway, even though we know what we've been thinking all week long, what we've been saying behind closed doors. You know that. Huh? So he has to move the junk out of the way so that your faith is visible. This is the interesting thing. When your faith meets resistance, what you do after that determines whether you get it or not. Because here she is with this weak, feeble faith that's got all this self-pity and doubt piled on top of it. Jesus had to, had to break through, pull through, throw off the debris from on top of her faith to get it free so he can see it and she can release it. You ever pray and feel like you just can, it's like it's right here, you can touch it. That's the point he's got to get her to. You understand what I'm saying? And I know a lot of times it don't come right then and there, but your faith has to be released out from under all of the debris, the doubt, and all that unbelief and stuff that's hindering it. The TV stuff that we listen to. You know how that goes. You sit up too long listening to cooking them, and pretty soon you're ready to throw your husband out the house. Tell him old orange looks good on him. And the brother ain't even done nothing criminal. She has many buts pushing her faith down. She also has a lot of what ifs robbing her faith. We go through it. God tells you, I want you to go to school. You even have people encouraging you to do it. You ain't doing nothing no way but going out shopping after work. You need to go to school. Huh? But what if I don't? Here, here we go again. 
So she goes through that. Her butt is she's not a Hebrew. And what if he calls me a dog like the Pharisees refer to my people? What if he's just like the rest of the Jewish people in the synagogue? That's what's going through her mind. But if she feels this way, why did she come anyhow? See? Why do we go to God? If we really feel that way, why do we ask him for anything? Huh? See, we're instead of being covenant people, sometimes we're outside chance people. We do it on the outside chance that it might work. You understand what I'm saying? We do it in the just in case. Huh? Just in case God will give it to me, I'm going to ask him. You, you understand? That's as slim a faith as you can have, but he has to work with it. Did you hear what I said? He has to work with it. He said, if you have faith as a grain of what? So he has to work with it, okay? He didn't tell you had to come to him with big faith. He didn't tell see, this is a problem we have. Most of the people we see with big things are working people that's got something. Yeah, grow up. Let me see where I'm at here. I got to finish this. <laughs> You think, listen to me. Now listen, you, you think some of these TV preachers have more faith than, than preachers who are teaching the small crowds? They don't. They know how to work that big crowd with what they got. There's no indication that your faith is bigger. you just working what you got. And a lot of that ain't the fruit of faith anyway. That's the fruit of crowd control. Jesus, they said Jesus, when he would go places, he couldn't do any mighty works because of their unbelief. He got all these people, throngs of multitudes of people following him, and about three or four of them got faith to get something. Wake up or go to sleep. I don't know what y'all need to do, but buy the, buy the CD. <laughs> Why do you come to God if you got all? Well, maybe he won't. <laughs> well, you know, I got a lot of, I got a lot of his, but I'm going anyway. Huh? You going on the outside? Chance he might be in a good mood, or you might get slip up and sneak sneak something from him, like the woman with the issue of blood. But you got enough faith to get up in his face. Huh? You have enough faith to ask. And once you turn that over to him, he becomes the author and the finisher. He's got to finish what you started with your little faith. Huh? That's why we're so quick to drop things. Because we don't ever add to our faith. Huh? you got to add some stamina to your faith. You just can't get out there with a little confession and think you're going to pull the whole world behind you. On your little faith wagon. Huh? Like that uh, uh, that little chicken hawk thing. The little baby chicken hawk. He go and get the big rooster, get foghorn, leghorn, drag him. I found me a wooster. You know, he goes, that's what we think we can do with our little chicken hawk faith. Huh? I'm believing God to be a millionaire. Keep believing. One day he's going to come to you and, and start working on you to finish that and see how you feel about it. Huh? It's up to him to finish it. 
He finishes it in the order that he deems fit to finish it in your life, too. That's the other thing. We're looking for something overnight, and he's got long-term involved in it. Huh? Now, I'm I'm not talking about if you're suffering in pain or anything like that, or if you're out on the streets. I'm not talking about that. But he might let you be out there for a while if you don't know how to behave yourself in the house. You understand what I'm saying? You don't know how to take care of stuff. You might be on the street for a while. Huh? The problem with that, some people like it out there. Huh? It's hard to get them inside again. And he knows that too. He'll be merciful to you sometimes. So this woman had a lot of doubts pushing her faith down, robbing her of it. She does the what ifs. He says, what if he thinks I'm a dog and calls me one just like them church people do? Hmm? You run into a lot of people like that now. They want God, but they don't like people. Huh? And they're coming on the outside chance that they might find God in a good mood and he might do something for them. So faith sometimes begins as an outside chance. Something against the odds, the hope against hope situation. Some only have God left, like the woman with the issue of blood. That's all you got left. So you give you a chance. Try God. That's what they're doing. Jesus did not let her faith in there. He devised a plan to get her to show him her faith. He took all of those those boulders that were pushing her faith down and making it not free to pull that 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 power out of him over into her daughter and he said to do something to release her faith and so what does he do he calls out that spirit that's in her that's how he calls it out he doesn't say spirit of a sensitivity come out he he makes sure he knows how to get it out of her he provokes it out of her huh and that thing spoke right up Huh? When he when he told her, he called her a dog. He said, "I don't think it's right for me to take the children's bread." That that was a gift of the word of knowledge. She was thinking that, or he never would have got that thing, got her faith free, if she hadn't been thinking it. So she's the word of knowledge is a wonderful gift. It'll get people free. William Branham made his ministry, his healing ministry. You know, I wish more of these people just between us. Can I? Can we talk? These people who live off the gift of prophecy alone and don't have a healing ministry or anything, if they would take that to where it's supposed to go, but see, it would hurt their feelings if you told them something like that. And they know it's the right thing to do. But the gift of the word of knowledge was given to William Branham by God. He said, God told me. That if I would, if I would tell people, he would give me a gift where I could read the hearts of people. And I would be able to tell them what was in their heart. And then that would release faith in them to believe that I am God's servant and their healing would manifest. That's what the word of knowledge is for. It's not to come to tell you three times in one year that God's going to bless you.
I mean, I love people and all that. And if that's where they are, that's where they are. But there's more. There's more with that gift and there's more that needs to be done with God's people. Because what are you going to do about the people who are sick in their bodies? See, another blessing, waiting for another blessing isn't what they need right now. Jesus always touches your need. He doesn't leave you, let you go out of there with a prophecy that God's going to bless you and all this kind of stuff. And you got something else there that you need more. A lot of people need their souls healed. They go out uh, discouraged and despondent and depressed for a whole week because they didn't get what they were supposed to get at the meeting that they went to. Paying registration fees and everything to get in there and go out the same way that they came in. It's not right. It's not what God ordained for people. But Jesus is the author and the finisher of everybody's faith. And he has a plan to finish the faith of every individual that he puts on this earth. I pray that our faith would do more tomorrow than it did today. Not next year or next week. But tomorrow, this afternoon, that your faith would do more because he's totally working to complete your faith. That it would do everything that he's ordained that your life to do. Little Howard, why don't you put on some music and we'll do our prayer and pray for people. If you need prayer, come up. Pastor Shirley and I are going to pray for you because God wants you well. I don't care how many times you've been prayed for. You don't think it's going to work this time. That woman who came to him felt the same way. She didn't know if it was going to work. But she came with what she had. As much faith as she had. And we depend on the anointing to do the rest of it. Glory to the Lamb. Everybody say to the Lamb, we sing glory to the Lamb. We give all glory to 